Parks, thank you for joining me on Paranormally Speaking. Ancient giants and what actually happened to them? Did they ever really exist? Is it all just a figment of our imagination or standard folklore? I mean, according to studies, according to archaeology, things that have been found from ancient civilizations, writings, art, cave drawings, and stories passed down for centuries. Humans were more advanced spiritually and technologically in the distant past than we are today due to malevolent forces manipulating humanity. True history is suppressed and we are told by owned education systems that we are not or were not at that time but are currently at the height of science and technology. According to experts and theorists, I'm not going to say conspiracy theorists because that has a negative connotation now, thanks to QAnon and several other fringe lunatics. It's simply not true. According to experts in that field or those self-appointed experts. Now, modern humans first appeared about 200,000 years ago, but record-keeping didn't begin until about 5,500 years ago. That means about 97% of human history is lost. Now, here's just a tidbit of information that I came across on my own. In 79 AD, the Roman historian Josephus Flavius wrote that the last of the race of Egyptian giants did live in the 13th century BC during the reign of King Joshua. He further wrote that they had huge bodies and their faces were so unlike ordinary humans that it was almost amazing to look at them. And it was scary to listen to their loud voices, which was like the roar of a lion. Now, these Egyptian giants were said to be in excess of about 50 feet tall. They didn't live very long and their population was thin because they didn't really procreate all that often. Not sure if through some sort of evolutionary process that their uh, race died out or their bloodline thinned out as a result of evolution and maybe a mutation in their genetics. It's really hard to tell considering record keeping is few and far in between at that time anything before that we really don't know a whole lot about. 
Now, the book of Numbers 13.33 says, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Enoch, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were the same in their sight. Now, for example, an average man, six feet tall. That's the average height for men right now. Um, Og of Bashan, Goliath scale giants, were anywhere from 12 to 18 feet tall. And you had a larger variety, 24, 30, and 36 feet tall. Early Canaanite giants scale. The book of Amos, book 2, chapter 9, mentions this. Giants that were that tall. And the book of Genesis mentioned, and Exodus mentions uh, giants in those days, walking the earth, uh, living with man, uh, giants, na- nations during uh, biblical time, for example. Horeb giants were also called cave dwellers and among the city of Edom. Today we can see the children of these giants who were also cave dwellers and as scripture calls them Elijo. The Rephaim, lofty men, lived in the area of ancient Bashan. One king of Bashan mentioned in the Bible was a giant named Og. He was king of Bashan during the time of that conquest, and he was a descendant of Rephaim. Deuteronomy 3.1 mentions this. The Zuzim, tall ones, dwelt north of the Arnon River. The Enum, which was the terrible ones, dwelt on the east side of the Dead Sea in the territory of Moab. The Horem, the cave dwellers, dealt to the south of the Dead Sea in Edom. Many of their mountain caves still exist to this day. The Avim, which means dwellers among the ruins, dwelt in the lower portion of the Cephalahe. The Anakim, long-necked ones, dwelt around the area of Hebron during the conquest of Canaan. It was Caleb who conquered them, and some of them had lived with the Philistines, and the giant Goliath belonged to the Anakim, 1 Samuel 17.11. And of course, David was given credit for having killed Goliath, and probably 25 years ago, I believe it was, a body was unearthed that was around 16 to 18 feet tall with no head. And the story goes, David beheaded Goliath and held the monstrous head to show the Philistine army that their champion had been defeated. Now, these were also, these giants were known as children of the Watchers, the angels that descended upon earth. The giant Nephilim were 13 to 36 feet tall. The Nephil, which is the children of the giants, were 7 feet to 13 feet tall. And according to legend, the Eliad and the Elojah were the grandchildren of the giants. They were 6 to 7 feet tall. The Book of Jubilees which follows the book of Enoch from the original Gnostic Gospels, says in chapter 7, 21 through 25, For owing to these three things came the flood upon the earth, namely owing to the 
fornication wherein the watchers against the law of their ordinances went whoring after the daughters of men and took themselves wives of all which they had chosen. And they made the beginning of uncleanliness and they begat sons, the Nephidium, and they were all unlike and they devoured one another and the giant slew the Nephil and the Nephil slew the Eljo and the the Eljo, mankind, and one man, another. And everyone sold himself to work iniquity and to shed much blood. And the earth was filled with iniquity. And after this, they sinned against the beast and the birds and all that moves and walks on earth. And much blood was shed on the earth. And every imagination and desire of men imagined vanity and evil continually. And this is what led to the flood that swallowed the earth and left only Noah and his family behind because they were the most righteous among men, he and his family. Now, at that time, the only part of the earth really known by man at that time that did any kind of record keeping was in the Middle East and in around Jerusalem and those areas of the world around Egypt and Africa that was the only known region of the world. So what if the flood itself only swallowed those regions and the rest of the earth was untouched? The continents at that time were all connected. So what we knew at that time as what we have today, the United States, was actually a part of Eastern Asia. It was connected. The Bering Strait is the remnant left between us and that part of the world. And that's what brought us the American Indians we have today by way of the Bering Strait. And this, this, of course, was thousands and thousands of years ago. And that is what I'll be talking about in this episode of Paranormally Speaking. The giants of the world, giants of history, giants of folklore and mythology. Were they real? And if they were, where did they go? Where are all the bodies of these giants? And those that have been allegedly discovered... Is it true? Has this evidence been faked? Has the evidence been suppressed by modern science for fear of unearthing such a magnificent secret or discovery could essentially rewrite human history as we know it and cause question of everything we know to be sacred and whole among the scientific community, among human history, and among religion? I'm Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. And I will be back with more unheard information and strange tales dealing with giants and where they are now. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been 
dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. The oldest manuscripts, namely the Dead Sea Scrolls text of Samuel from the late 1st century BCE, the 1st century CE historian Josephus, and the major Septuagintan manuscripts all give it as four cubits and a span, six feet nine inches, or 2.06 meters, thereas the Masoteric text has six cubits and a span, which is actually nine feet nine inches. That is how tall Goliath was said to be when battling David. He was the Philistines' champion, and they used him as their powerhouse, their enforcer, their primary soldier, uh, the reason for striking fear in armies that dare oppose them or those that they deem as enemies. Now, skeletal figures represent just a few giant human remains unearthed and documented in historical records, along with the historical accounts of Goliath, who had three brothers as big as him, king of Bashan, Og, whose bed was said to be 13.5 feet long, and Maximus Thrax, who was a Caesar of Rome. For example, present day, as I mentioned before, six feet Six feet in height is about the average. That's present day. In Turkey in the 1950s, the late 1950s, the skeletal remains of a body that was 15 feet tall, they were discovered. Maximus Thrax, the Caesar of Rome, when his body was discovered, it was 235 to 238 AD. He was 8 feet 6 inches. Goliath, was said to be 10 feet 6 inches, according to Samuel 17.4, and that was 1010 BC. Og, the king of Bashan, in Deuteronomy 3.11, said to be 12 feet tall, and that was in 14,000 BC. Then, of course, there are others, such as uh, one that was discovered in 1577 AD, under an overturned oak tree in the canton of Lucerne was said to be 19.6 feet tall. Then in France, beside a river in Valence in 1456 AD, a body that was 23 feet was discovered. 25.6 feet was discovered in 1613 AD in France near the castle of Chartemont, nearly a complete skeleton. In 1650 BC to 640 AD, Carthaginus uncovered two of this size. An earthquake in Cimmerian Bosphorus uncovered one more, 36 feet in height. Long ago in the ancient past, real giants once roamed the African plains, Indonesian jungles, and the hills of France. Men grew upwards of 7, 8, 9, and even 11 feet high and wielded crude stone tools. A gigantic ape, the King Kong of the prehistoric world, raised his head 10 to 12 feet above the ground 
and weighed as much as four modern gorillas. In 1911, mummified remains were found by guano hunters in Lovelock Cave, a large rock shelter in Nevada's Lake Lahontan region. According to legend, these skeletons belong to a cannibalistic tribe of red-haired giants known to the Poate Indians as the C.T. Cha. These cannibals were at war with the Piatu until the number of tribes came together and trapped the C.T. Cha in Lovelock Cave, started a fire, and asphyxiated them. An important question comes to mind when discussing this topic. For example, I mentioned the name Nephilim. Who were the Nephilim? Well, the answer in the Bible, the Bible's answer, the Nephilim were giants, the violent superhuman offspring produced when wicked angels mated with human women in the days of Noah. Now, this all took place in Genesis. Genesis being the first book in the Old Testament, a lot happened in a very short period of time. The Bible account says that the sons of the true God began to notice that the daughters of men were beautiful. This is in Genesis 6-2. Those sons of God were actually spirit creatures who rebelled against God when they forsook their own proper dwelling place in heaven, materialized human bodies, and began taking as wives all whom they chose. That is in Jude 6 and Genesis 6-2. The hybrids born from this unnatural union were no ordinary children. Genesis 6-4. The Nephilim were giant bullies, tyrants who filled the earth with violence. Genesis 6-13. The Bible describes them as the mighty ones of old times, the men of fame. Genesis 6-4. They left behind a legacy of violence and fear. Genesis 6-5 and Numbers 13-33. There are often misconceptions about the Nephilim, the stories, the legends. The Nephilim were fathered by humans. Fact. Their fathers are called sons of the true God. Genesis 6-2. Misconceptions about the Nephilim that they are still alive on earth today. Fact is, Jehovah caused a global flood to destroy that violent ancient world. The Nephilim were wiped out along with all of the wicked people. In contrast, Noah and his family found favor with Jehovah and were the only ones preserved alive at that time. Genesis 6, 9, 7, 12, 13, 23, and 2 Peter 2, 5. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the known world at that point in time was the Middle Eastern region, areas around Africa, and all of the continents were connected at that time. This was before the Ice Age, or could it have been after? It's really hard to tell, considering that was about 10,000 years ago, and all of these things took place before the birth of Christ. And this was all in uh, B.C. format. So 5,000 years B.C. could have been 6,000 years B.C. And so many people take the six days of creation literally as if it were just six days. But a day to God is a thousand years to man. That is actually uh, scriptural. 
And it's really hard to tell based on where the world uh, or the known world at that point in time uh, was, considering all of that that took place being uh, the world that flooded, of course. The Nephilim were fathered by humans. Their fathers are called sons of the true God, Genesis 6-2. The Bible uses the same expression to describe angels. In the book of Job 1-6, and 38-7, angels had the power to materialize in human form. Genesis 19-1-5, Joshua 5-13-15. The apostle Peter spoke of the spirits in prison who had formerly been disobedient when God was patiently waiting in Noah's day. 1 Peter 3.19.20, referring to the same day and the same circumstances. The Bible writer Jude explains that some angels did not keep their original position, but forsook their own proper dwelling place. Jude 6. Misconception. The Nephilim were fallen angels. That is often thrown around and discussed and theorized. The fact is, the context of Genesis 6-4 indicates that Nephilim were not angels, but hybrid offspring born from sexual relations between materialized angels and women. Uh, after the angels began taking them as wives, all whom they chose, Jehovah said that in 120 years, he would take action against the ungodly world at that time. Genesis 6, 1 through 3. The account adds that in those days, the materialized angels continued to have relations with the daughters of man, and that they pronounced and produced the mighty ones of old times, that being the Nephilim. Genesis 6, 4. Now, who's to say that when the flood wiped all living things off the face of the earth at that point in time, that there were not patches and chasms to go and hide and and await a return, basically, that the giants still do exist. Uh, they've always been there, and there's not nearly as many now as there were then, but they could be lying in wait, waiting to be rediscovered. Marco Polo even wrote of encountering giants in Zanzibar who were so strong they could carry as many as four ordinary men. Mid-20th century journalist Glenn D. Kittler said of the Watsui tribe in the east of Congo, men towering seven to eight feet were a common sight in that region. Reputable accounts of giants come from all over the world, says Hugh Newman, co-author with Jim Vera of Giants on Record, America's Hidden History, Secrets in the Mounds in the Smithsonian Files, an extinct, genetically distant subspecies of Homo sapiens. They were said to have been discovered just a decade ago in a cave in Siberia called the Densovians. They lived from 50,000 to 300,000 years ago and are known to be very, very tall, says Newman, and their descendants could have wandered as far west as North America. Newman, who was described as um, on ancientorigins.net as a world explorer and an author, will talk about the Nephilim and the Denisovians and giants in general uh, in lectures, uh, one of which was titled Giantology, Scientific Evidence for a Worldwide Culture of Giants in Prehistory. 
the conference uh, that he was speaking at also talked about and had workshops pertaining to UFOs, ancient aliens, and forbidden archaeology. He gave the long and short of giantology in a recent telephone interview with an English uh, news publication. He stated that we're looking at different eras, really, in North America. We've got dating that goes back around 10,000 years, right up to the 1900s, when giants have been witnessed. It's quite a large range, but generally, it's anywhere from around 100,000 BC to around 900 AD. I could discuss this topic forever. Now, for example, did 14-foot giants truly exist? Uh, something that uh, piqued my interest did they differ from humans? An author explored these ancient beings. Now, everyone knows the first line of the English fairy tale, fee fi fo fum But how many know the rest of the verse, which gets a little bit darker? I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. What the hell kind of bedtime story is that? Actually, it derives from the early 18th century tale of Jack and a cannibalistic giant called Jack the Giant Killer. The origins of that can be traced through oral histories to prehistoric England when giants may have roamed not just the United Kingdom but the entire Earth. 16th century scribe Raphael Holinshed wrote in Chronicles of England, Scotland, and Ireland that Britain's oldest acknowledged name was taken from a prehistoric king named Albion, who ruled the race of giants that dominated the United Kingdom for hundreds, possibly thousands of years before Christ. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. The Smithsonian Institute recognized the destruction of thousands of giants. The Institute admitted that it destroyed thousands of giant human skeletons in the early 1900s. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled to publish classified documents dated as early as 1900, proving that the organization took part in a major historic cover-up of evidence showing that tens of thousands of giant human remains were found across America and destroyed by orders of high-ranking evidence. The leaders to protect the dominant chronology of human evolution at the time. Suspects from the American Institute of Alternative Archaeology, AIAA, that the Smithsonian Institute destroyed thousands of giant human remains was accepted by the organization in bayonets, which responded by suing AIAA for slander and attempting to harm the reputation of the 168-year-old institute. According to the AIAA, Representative James Charward had new details that came up during the trial when several Smithsonian Institute insiders recognized the existence of documents that allegedly proved the destruction of tens of thousands of human skeletons, ranging from 6 to 12 feet tall, whose existence of traditional archaeology, for various reasons, does not want to recognize. The demonstration of the human hip bone of about one to three meters long as evidence of the existence of such giant human bones, this proof broke a hole in the defense of the institution's lawyers. 
on the slander case, as the bone was stolen from the high organization by one of its high-ranking curators in the mid-1930s. He kept the bone throughout his entire life and wrote a confession upon his deathbed that the Smithsonian Institute's cover-up and their operations. He said in his note, It's terrible what they do to people, he writes. We hide the truth about the ancestors of humanity, the giants who inhabited this earth, which are mentioned in Bible texts as well as other ancient texts. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled to publish these classified documents on everything related to the destruction of evidence related to pre-European culture, as well as elements related to human skeletons more than usual. The publication of these documents will help archaeologists and historians review modern theories about human evolution and help us understand the pre-European culture of America and the rest of the world, says Gans Gutenberg, director of the AIAA. Historical chronicles of the 19th century often report findings in different corners of the globe of skeletons of people with abnormally high growth, which brings to mind a situation in the south-central Ohio uh, portion of Ohio when they were putting in a new by-road that separates between a major highway and a road that connects into the city of Chillicothe. Ohio, when they were digging to make this new road, they found unmarked graves consisting of about six to ten giant humanoid skeletons that were in excess of 12 feet tall apiece. And when they made this discovery, it was quickly shut down. They brought in experts from outside the field, outside of the group that was hired to do the digging and the moving of the land. Local authorities got involved. They were kindly cast aside and told that this was a matter of a different authority. And these bodies were exhumed and said they were going into an archaeological find. They were going to do a huge write-up and reveal this to the world. But since then, the road's been put down. It's been years now. People have come and gone. Uh, we have an entirely new uh, sheriff's department because the local authorities were getting involved in trying to blow the lid off of all of this. And that sheriff's no longer with us, nor are his deputies. And the bodies are gone too. But there were several eyewitnesses that saw these bodies themselves. And many of them were forced or coerced into signing a NDA with said organization that was going to reveal the findings and protect the integrity of the witnesses. But since then, no one's integrity and no no one has really had their integrity protected. And those that are willing to come forward have talked to me, explained what they saw, described and have written and sketched out in detail what they saw. And the five people I've spoken with that were present or had seen evidence at that time, uh, they all match up. Uh, Same situation along the Ohio River separating Ohio from Kentucky. In the early 1900s, several giant humanoid skeletons were found along the riverbanks and were removed and covered up, never to be seen again. 
Now, this seems to be going on a lot. And these things are coming out more so during this pandemic in the year 2020. I mean, the Pentagon has now admitted that UFOs have always been here. They've been watching them. There have been encounters with aliens and crafts that are not of this planet. And that hit the mainstream media. But because of all the protests, the riots, the pandemic, the upcoming election, the lunacy that is the Donald Trump administration, and on top of that, any and every other thing possible to be thrown in our direction to divert our attention, what better time to release information this magnificent about our history, about the mysteries of the universe, than now, in the middle of all of this noise that we're surrounded by? It's a good way for someone to slide in the truth completely undetected. Here's the $10 million question. Did U.S. Special Forces kill a giant in Kandahar? Several conspiracy theory-oriented websites are claiming a biblical giant, much like Goliath, with flaming red hair, was killed by U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. United States Special Forces allegedly killed this giant in Kandahar in 2002, and the government has been trying to cover it up, according to these sources. Several personalities and websites dedicated to discussing supernatural myths and conspiracy theories began claiming in 2016 that an American Special Forces soldier serving in Kandahar, Afghanistan, was killed in 2002 by a 1,100-pound, blade-wielding, 12-foot-tall giant, equal or equivalent to the Old Testament times, before the giant itself was taken down by the military. A Department of Defense spokesperson told them they had no record of such an incident. And I quote, We do not have any record or information about a special forces member killed by a giant in Kandahar. Current interest in the story appears to have been generated from a video created by L.A. Maruzili, an author, blogger, and filmmaker determined to link modern times with biblical creatures and prophecies. On the 13th of August, 2016, he posted an episode on YouTube of his series, Watchers, in which he claims to interview a military contractor or soldier who witnessed the blade-wielding giant on Kandahar. (coughs) kill another soldier before being downed by troops, whisked away by a transport aircraft and hidden away from public view. Marzuli makes the case that the giant was a Nephilim, which were described in the book of Genesis as offspring of gods and human women who inhabited Canaan in the time of the Israelite conquest. But when it comes down to details, he's vague saying he interviewed the unnamed man at an undisclosed location on an unknown date. The interviewee, who he claims shot and killed the giant, doesn't give any details on the location of the alleged incident, other than to say it was a remote location in Afghanistan in 2002. He claims that he and others were sent to look for a missing patrol when they saw a scarlet-haired giant emerge from a cave and skewer one of their friends who he called Dan, with a large blade. In the Army statement, it's sufficient, isn't sufficient. The only service member with the first name Dan, or Daniel, who died in Kandahar in 2002, was killed along with three others in an accident involving the clearing and disposal of explosives. There are no incidents 
on the Department of Defense press release page in which all military casualties are listed, involving a giant, likewise. There are no reports of an entire patrol disappearing in Afghanistan at that time either. Marzulli's video about the alleged giant incident, replete and growling animation, can be seen on the website provided. Hey guys, good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And hence makes it extra affordable. You pay just 30 bucks for a month's supply. And right now, get your first online doctor's visit totally free when you go to 4 slash good. That's right, free. Zero copay, no expensive appointments, no awkward face-to-face -face conversations to get your prescription. Hims connects you to doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe your ED medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. Hims makes it affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to. And that's really good news. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4hims.com slash good. That's 4hims.com slash good for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash good. Family is big around here. We're family owned, family operated, family managed. And that means legacy. That means dependability. That means using Granger. With over 1.5 million products and knowledgeable product experts, Granger has whatever we need. And with same day pickup and next day delivery options, they have it whenever we need it. For over 90 years, businesses like ours have trusted Granger. Because, like family, Granger's got our back. Call, click Granger.com, or stop by to see for yourself. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Are the giants really among us? Did they ever leave? Where did they go? The Nephilim Chronicles, Fallen Angels in the Ohio Valley. Giant humans called the Nephilim once roamed the earth. The Nephilim Chronicles, Fallen Angels in the Ohio Valley documents the migration of the counted giants in the Bible known as the Amorites to North America. This blog, the Nephilim Chronicles, is dedicated to the historic documents that shows this mysterious chapter in the Bible and actually that it's true. Fifty giant tombs were just recently discovered on the banks of the Ohio River and believed to be the King's Graveyard, as it was called. Corn Island is located at the southern bend of the Ohio River. It was flooded by the construction of the dam in the 1920s. The other cemetery contains the bones of 50 dead kings, or being referred to as kings. The tombs are made of rough, hewn stone, and the occupants were all men. Not one of was less than six and a half to seven feet high. They were buried in sitting posture, and their faces turned toward the rising sun, and their weapons must have been buried with them, evidently placed on their laps, according to reports. But the peculiar coincidence is that the left temple of each had been crushed in by some blunt instrument, whether it was as religious rite or a precaution against burying them alive is a matter of surmise. One would surmise, considering the writer who opened one of the graves with Professor Green, the eminent geologist and at one time state geologist of Indiana, believes it was a religious rite. The School of History of Kentucky says when the first white settlers arrived, at Louisville, they found piles of human skeletons on Corn Island, and some are found there now. To the early settlers, 
it appeared that there had been a great battle fought and that one tribe had been entirely wiped out. All of the skeletons were those of people of medium stature, save one, that of a man, and he must have been seven feet tall, according to the reports. On the banks of the falls to this day are found to be found thousands of Indian arrows and spearheads with an occasional battle axe. And once a stone owl was found that had probably been fashioned by one of the prehistoric people at that time. The description represents the concrete facts and is the cooperative evidence of the weird tale told by Mrs. Kelly and her ancestors and their mystic chant of the vanishing of a strange race of people. The story had better be given in her own words to the writer of this narrative. Valentine Kelly, who was a spiritualist, told the writer that he was once standing on a shed near the royal tombs when a gigantic white man with yellow hair peered in at the window. He said he saw him as clear as he could, for it was broad daylight and he could not have made a mistake. However, Mr. Kelly was a firm believer in ghosts and hobgoblins, and it may be that he did not actually see yellow hair, but he believed to be the time of his death. He had seen him. He permitted Professor Green and the writer to open two of the graves on his farm, but stopped further evacuating, excavating, sorry, as he said the scientist would soon dig up the best part of his farm if he permitted them to do so. But there were originally 50 of the tombs, and now more than 40 remain. The high water washed away some of them, and two were opened by men. One of the best-known archaeologists of Indiana, Dr. W.F. Work of Charlestown, Indiana, found seven similar stones 13 miles from the scene, and he noticed that the left temple of each dead man was crushed in, and that the bones of those were men of gigantic stature. Dr. Work spent much time in exploring the habitations of the cliff dwellers of Arizona and was written has written much on the subject. He believes yellow hair people were the Mandan Indians. Orlando Hobbs, also an archaeologist authority of Indiana and a man known widely for his learning and research, holds this opinion as well. What a giant episode this was. Of course, the pun was intended. I hope you enjoyed what I uncovered and revealed to you, discussed and talked about, and the research that was heavily involved in what I presented to you. Uh, of course, I always cite everything so you can go yourself and read it and research it because it is there. You just have to dig a little. But I try to do the heavy lifting. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. Have a terrific weekend. And Thanksgiving is upon us. This is the next to the last episode for the season. So hang in there. Next week is going to be even bigger than an episode about giants. I'll catch you later. Oh,